2: Hello and welcome to Season 3 of Queer I Am, the podcast, live and unscripted. I am so excited to share this with you. The podcast has been recorded over eight weeks in front of a live audience at Arco Beleno, an inclusive queer space in the heart of Kemptown, Brighton. I am so proud to be partnering with Arco Beleno and cannot thank Luciana, Nick and the whole team there enough for their support and generosity in the making of this season of the podcast. If you haven't been there before, please check it out. Not only do they have an incredible Maltese menu for you to explore but they also have a range of cocktails, drinks and a regular schedule of entertainment for you to enjoy. The podcast is also being supported by their production company Across Rainbows Productions and Film for YouTube so if you didn't get to come to one of the live shows you can find these videos at your leisure on the Across Rainbows YouTube channel. Make sure you subscribe, give the videos a like and leave any comments you may have. We also had several authors participate in the shows and Kemptown Bookshop were on hand to sell signed books by the authors. You can check out this beautiful bookshop in the heart of Brighton but make sure you take your credit card because you will not leave empty-handed. The shows feature a panel of guests where we'll be talking all things queer and an audience Q&A too, an opportunity for everyone to get involved in the conversation. In this episode we'll be discussing queer relationships. The show features author Brian Moriarty, psychosexual and relationship psychotherapist and author Silva Nevis, personal trainer and drag performer Harry Casella, aka Mary O'Cart, and Olga Stefana, an author, feminist and campaigner. I hope you enjoy the show. So whatever you're up to, this is your time to settle down, relax and enjoy the podcast. Welcome to Queer I Am. Okay, so welcome everyone to Queer I Am, the podcast live and unscripted, episode number six, Um, and we're talking about queer relationships, which is very exciting. So, um, really interesting conversation, and um, safe space, we've got an audience Q&A after the interval, so if anyone would like to ask a question, you can obviously do so, Um, we always say it's a safe space, just be respectful and, you know the Usual stuff, really. We you know just kind of ask what you want to ask, but we want to make sure that everyone can contribute to the conversation as well as the panel, the audience as well. So please get your questions ready. Um, we'll have an interval after about an hour. Um, I'm gonna be selling books tonight and I've used the card machine a couple of times, it was very exciting. So if anyone would like to use a <laughs> buy a book, please come and buy them because I'll get a chance to use those once again, which is very exciting. So, I have some amazing guests, which I'm so excited to speak with today. So, please go introduce Harry Casella, a.k.a. Mary O'Cart. Hello. Big round of applause, please. Thank you. Fabulous author, Brian Moriarty. Hello. Big round of applause. Now, this is a title and a half that I've had to write down and I'm going to have to pronounce. So, psychosexual and relationship psychotherapist and author, Silva Nevis. Hello. I got it right. That was good. And author, feminist, activist, Ugla Stefania. Very good. Oh, I got you. it right too? Yes, Yay, good. we're winning. So we always do this when we start the show. Um, I ask, and you'll know this, Harry, from our previous conversation. So if you had to choose a song to reflect your mood right now as a little icebreaker, what would your song be? And I'm going to start with you, Harry. Why do you have to start with me? I Why do ha- you have to
3: start with me? Um,
2: Can everyone hear everyone Okay can you hear I, harry i'm still standing oh bit of elton bit of elton nice is that because you're still hanging from the weekend or Shh.
3: no not at all <laughs> <laughs> not at all yes yes very much so very
2: much so amazing brian
4: um i think mine is uh it's all coming back to me now by celine Dion.
2: oh nice <laughs>
4: Um, Sorry, I'm just pointing. (laughs) Was that Niro? No, yeah, I hate Celine Dion. (laughs) (laughs) But in the spirit of it, I I, uh, I haven't been in Brighton in years, and I'm getting a real proustian rush as I walk through the streets. Oh nice.
2: lovely! How long has it been since you've been here? Like four or five years? Oh wow, okay, yeah. So pre-lockdown.
4: Yeah, it was um, for a show I was performing at the Brighton Fringe. So I've uh, a real feeling of guilt that I'm not flyering someone and telling them to come (laughs) see my show. Amazing, Silva.
5: I'm gonna go modern and I'm gonna go padam padam because oh. I feel the love right
2: now. <laughs> can everyone hear everyone? Okay, can you hear? Yeah. Yeah. Is it maybe just I've only got one ear, so it's probably why I can't hear everyone. Okay, but we'll we'll go with it. It's fine. Um, Olga,
6: um, I think I would probably say like blue jeans with Lana Del Rey because I'm just oh. in a summery kind of mood, putting nice. on jeans and a shirt. Is it quite
2: because she's quite moody with her music? She
6: is quite moody. She is. I, I, I like her because she's very moody, because I'm quite moody. So, <laughs> so she's a kindred spirit. So we'll
2: go with it. Okay. So we're talking about relationships. And when I was writing this today, I was thinking about this because when we talk about relationships, we think romantic, but actually, relationships take many different forms. So I would like to understand if you can all define what a relationship means to you. And it doesn't have to be a specific type, it can be just what you think about relationships let's start with you brian because you look deep in thought so you're
4: <laughs> <That> you, <laughs> you, on the spot <laughs> that, that, that is my look of utter bafflement i can't think of anything that's more specific or interesting than like a bond that's formed between two people and the okay. the the strength or the weight of that bond varying between relationship and relationship okay um, yeah, that's all I have for you now, but that's what you get for coming to me first, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a
6: good answer. Hugla, what about you? Yeah, I mean, I think, well, this is very loud now. Oh, I, think, um, <laughs> <laughs> I think relationships can be very different things. As you were saying, it doesn't have to be a loving relationship. It can also be a, a, a hatred <laughs> relationship. But I think, you know, for the purpose of this, we're probably more focusing on the, the positive ones. And I think, as as you were saying about, queer people needing to have certain relationships you know we have to sometimes find our own families mm-hmm. and that's relationships we create because we don't have that from our families or from our loved ones so i think yes yeah, queer people
2: it's like you've it's read my boring. cards because my next question well is, maybe i was
6: having a peek <laughs> you know?
2: logical vi- versus biological and you know chosen family so again that's something that over recent years i've become more aware of and been reading more about so i mean you've you've touched upon that really nicely actually i mean we that's really important isn't it within our community yeah
6: Yeah, i think it is i mean i've been fortunate enough to have a good relationship with my family but you know for the purposes of of other fulfillments in my life like my family doesn't understand me in the same way as my queer friends do so i do form a family there and you know for people who don't have that family at all having those families is is probably even more important to have so yeah i think i think it's you know biology in terms of family doesn't mean anything to me really it's more about people and the role they play in your life rather than whether they're biologically
5: related to to you
2: yeah Yeah, completely do you all agree What what, were your thoughts on chosen family any any other thoughts to have on that one
5: no, absolutely. I agree. And I think it's it's true that the family of choice is so important for us all. And I, I think, hopefully, I'm hoping that now parents are a bit more open-minded. And so hopefully less children now are going to be uh, exper- experiencing some of the things that people in my generation experienced, uh, where families just did not understand or know. And the experience of love is... The, the word love is interesting because a lot of parents... There's no parents that will say, I don't love my child. But actually, I think a lot of the time, what we experience in, in, on, in uh, as queer people is that parents love us as long as we are like they want us to be. And then suddenly love disappears when we are different from what they want us to be. Yeah, so, complain. yes. Yeah. Uh, and so, uh, it's, I'm hoping it's changing, but still now we're still hearing people just being ostracized and pushed away from their family just because they're not heterosexual or monogamous or cisgender and that's uh, really sad
2: yeah that's something we've got to keep speaking about i think isn't it
5: yes so family of choice is so important and yeah. you know places like the the pride flag is is a is a beacon of place that can be home for some of us so that's really important did you all have your
2: tribe when you came out and kind of identified with a whether it was gender or sexuality or or was it something you found over time and became more comfortable with do you think
3: i would say that i found mine but it's shifted so like i found i guess i came out when i was like 18 and i'm now only 19 but i um (laughs) uh, had them Like, the initial people that were around, um, and then obviously as you get older, that changes, you find out more about yourself, and it shifts. Um, So I would say that initially, yes, I did have a tribe, but that has now shifted to adopt. I would say after coming to, like, Brighton and being exposed to a bigger, queerer community, your horizons expand, right? So you start to meet different people, and suddenly people that you never would have thought would be in your chosen family or in your tribe are now suddenly there, because you just didn't meet them in the first place and now you have so yeah I had an initial set we'll call it and then it's expanded since then as I've grown up and traveled and moved
4: yeah
2: what about you Brian
4: yeah kind of similar I was thinking a a sort of similar thing of after coming out you kind of find yeah uh, a, a tribe's a really good word for it like that in my experience though was often a sort of um, as a queer person sort of people cheering you from the sidelines as it were like mm. allies I suppose and and that is you know it, for me was really important and really um, yeah really crucial particularly at that point in your life and then you reach other points where you're like oh no these are like it's not so much cheering from the sidelines anymore as sort of Playing the same match, I'm not very good at sports, but but you know, like sort of being on the same team, yes, like teams, right? and uh, and so that kind of difference, that evolution of you know who you who you see as that kind of you know uh, yeah group.
2: I mean, I I think you know I've found more people that I have commonality with since moving to Brighton, but before that, when I lived in my old town, I had friends that I'd known for years and years, and I think those friendships were more habit than truly understanding each other and our lives so i would have a conversation with someone and they'd go oh yeah that yeah that's great and then it would be moved on to <laughs> their children or something else that was kind of going on in their world whereas i think i've definitely felt since moving here having different conversations with people you just feel a bit more heard and listened to and people relate to you i think that's that you know is something we all kind of need really as queer people isn't it yeah yeah
6: I come from a really really rural town in Iceland, which only has like 360,000 people, so it's already quite small enough, Mm. and I lived in a farm in the middle of nowhere, so my best friends were like the sheep and the cows and the cats and and all that (laughs) stuff, so coming out as a queer person there was just, you know, there was no one there they didn't have any sort of people to be friends or community to speak of, except, you know, telling my cats or whatever. So it was just, <laughs> yeah. just, just quite... They just nodded <laughs> yeah. and, no, it was and purred. Just, <laughs> it, was just, it was just a bit funny. Um, I had like an entourage of animals following me around everywhere I went. Um, I felt like one of those Disney princesses. Yeah. Know, but no one knew I was really a princess. But, you know, How fun. long was
2: it before you moved to Brighton?
6: Um, I only moved to Brighton about seven years ago. Okay. Um, but before that, I lived in Reykjavik in Iceland, which is the Uh And there is a community there. So I did find my community there, but it wasn't until I moved there when I was about 20. But I came out around 17 or so, but I had lived in a smaller community. So I didn't really have a community to speak of. But yeah, Mm -hmm. when I moved to Reykjavik, that did change and I did find... That group and my tribe and all
2: that. Yeah, absolutely. So. That's amazing. I mean, I think that one thing we're always told, and I I definitely relate to this growing up. It's like you have ideals around relationships. So it's you know you meet someone, you fall in love, you get married, you buy a house, you're monogamous, all of that shit. And um, you know it, it, you know, you know it can work. Don't get me wrong. And it's you know it's it's <laughs> great
6: if it works for you. <laughs>
2: How do you really feel? But it's but it is. It's I think we are you know, this message is really driven to us, isn't it? And then anything that you do different to that, you almost feel apologetic. Now, I think, again, since moving here as a community, we talk about a different way of life so much more. And I'm really interested to know your thoughts as to why you think that is. Why are we so open in the queer community about different relationships and different ways of being um, that that kind of, I guess, step away from the standard, this is how you should live your life?
5: Because we had to, right? You know, okay. there's, there's no clear path for us. No one told us you have to do this and this and that. And as soon as you feel like you're outside of what society tells us we should be, then we're left with figuring it out for ourselves and, you know, trying to, you know, listen to other people who are, you know, a bit like us and reaching out and, you know, yeah. going along with it. Do you agree?
3: Yeah, I was going to say pretty much exactly the same thing. Like, we're told that we're not normal, so what's the point in following anything that's normal? Yeah. (laughs) yeah, It's not like they
6: present it as desirable anyway. They're always, like, making jokes about the old ball and chain and we're going to get married and I'm going to be in a prison. And you're just like, you're not exactly, you know, making a clear case for yourself. Or selling it,
2: yeah. (laughs) It's so true. (laughs) And actually, (laughs) it's funny because, again, I think about people that I've known in the past and some of them are just totally miserable and you just think why aren't you having these conversations and you know they're like you know the wife's going oh yeah I'm really happy in this situation and the husband is just like bursting to go out and live his life and you know do you think I mean you think like divorce rates and kind of like affairs are so high I mean this is probably a really question to ask you silver so but actually if people did have more open conversations and talked about different ways of having a relationship do we think that actually there'd be less of that you know would people actually stay together because they're fulfilled in their relationships
5: Yes, absolutely, and the reason why you know a lot of uh, there's so much cheating and divorce is because uh, when you are told this is your path and this is what you have to do, you basically go on autopilot. You don't question things. You don't think for yourself. What do I need? What do I want? And so you think I'm just going to do what everyone else is telling me what to do. Mm-hmm. So when I see couples who are or people in relationships who are having trouble, often I ask them, "How did they?" Choose to be together, and sometimes they just don't remember because they never really ask themselves, "How do I choose you? Mm. And how? And what are the needs that are being met with me? What do I have? What do I need? Exactly. And and often they, you know, really important conversations like, "Oh, actually, what does monogamy mean for us? We never had." so then people assume that monogamy is the same for me that it is for, you, for your partner and then that's when things go wrong but also when people think that there's no other ways that, that if you're outside of monogamy monogamy is, is about being weird then, then you're trying to stay in it and what you do instead is, is do it behind your partner's back, back and meet, yeah. and that's just terrible for everybody really and then it comes the guilt the shame and yes, all the other stuff exactly. that kind
2: of makes more of a yes, of emotional rather behavior. than
5: having a conversation about it and <clears throat> talking about yeah, you know absolutely. how can we you know be together and how
3: we choose each other Mm. one thing i will say i know it's like we're speaking about that we're going against the norms of a relationship and you know be with someone and grow up and ball and chain and all of that type of stuff um i will say that something i've noticed is that there's now a weird shift of an expectation of a queer relationship to go open or to involve someone else especially with gay men that we're now following this weird precedence that's been set out in front of us that it's like, oh, you've been together three years so when are you going to be open? Do you know what I mean? Like that that type of thing is now, we've now come to this side of it where we're like, oh, we're going to go so far away from it that we're going to set our own rules that now we want everyone to follow. Yeah. So there's a weird thing happening there that I just kind of wanted to so, throw the finger so, out there. Bye.
2: I guess the question to follow, follow that up, Harry, is when are you going to be open? <laughs> i'm only but i think you know this is it's, it's sorry it is really interesting though because i think that you know any type of relationship that we have um there's no real guide i think we all just kind of work it out don't we we you know i think we grow up we i mean i came out at 19 and then i was like right now i become this person i had no concept or clue and i don't think that's just you know, relevant to our community. I think there's so many communities out there that, you know, you grow up and there's expectations. So how do we provide better education to people to say they've got options and actually they can choose the life they want? Because I I do worry about this kind of expectation that is set for people and it's like, well, this is just the only path that you have. And I think I agree with your point there. You know, it's that you know, it's not a one size fits all type situation. But actually people need to know there are options and they don't need to conform to
5: other ways of kind of living. So yeah, but I oh, think oh, what we going, going for. It, <laughs> so, what we are talk, talking about is the conformity that happens, like the, the gay conformity. And, yes. and as soon as you have something to conform to, that's when that's when you, you become in trouble, really, because then you feel like you have to fit in something. Yes. And actually, as as human beings, we're all diverse. Whether you we're monogamous, heterosexual, or queer, you know, there is no one conformity. So, so yeah. Either way, it's not good.
4: And I think you can see that in the fact that even now where queer relationships have the possibility for uh, stability that has never been there before, um, you know, legally, culturally, all that kind of stuff. On the other hand, I feel like the, the fact of, you know, open relationships, polyamory, all that kind of stuff is now something that enters the mainstream in general a lot more that you know you hear more straight couples talking about it contemplating it and in that sense I suppose it's maybe a a thing of just listening and seeing you know what has been you know tried by some people where you're like oh well that is a gay couple that is trying this particular form of relationship and how does that apply to my my own life. It's quite an interesting mm. dynamic that's happening at the moment that I, I sort of see sometimes in, in, in I guess, mainstream culture.
6: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think people just need to find what type of relationship works for them regardless of what it is. I mean, I've been in yeah. polyamorous relationship, closed relationship, and now I'm in a relationship where I'm just like, I just can't be bothered being with more than one people. <laughs> I'm just like too old for this. I just don't have the energy. It's a bit exhausting. To sustain more than one relationship. Yeah. So, you know, it's just for me, it just, it's, you know, I'm fine with where I am, but, you know, I've been in all sorts of different relationships. I think there just needs to be more conversation about what works for people. And outside of, you know, these you know, straight and gay cultures of it being just a, a conversation. And as you said, I think it's coming into the mainstream a lot more. Um, but I think I think it will struggle because I watch a lot lot of reality TV and a lot of them are very much about the whole monogamous being with one person, all this stuff, Love Island, the ultimatum, blind date, like all of this stuff which is hysterical to watch. It's
2: blind date Salam.
6: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is
2: it? Oh, I, have no I think idea. so oh. oh no,
6: it's Blind l- No. Blind Love. Oh, on Netflix. Love is Blind. Love is Blind. Okay, yeah, yeah. Absolute train wreck absolutely right but it really feeds into this narrative that you have to get married and have children and have house it's just almost like a really sort of marketing Mm. way of relationship and how you market them and how you have to fit into this this model of capitalism and, Mm -hmm. and all that stuff so yeah i think there's also a conversation to be had about there like who's actually benefiting from people getting married yeah because it's essentially just a legal document but it also ties you to the state like there's all sorts of and costs thousands
2: yeah. and thousands of pounds. Yeah, and it's like very, very people, expensive. And I've seen so many people get married, yeah. like straight friends get married, and they have the biggest wedding, and it's all they focus on. And like a year later, they're like, yeah, it's not working. But they just, they literally just wanted yeah. the day. It's it was like, like they got to be the princess for the day or whatever. And
6: like 30,000 pounds to yeah. get a divorce. <laughs>
2: yeah. It's like, you know, you could buy a house with that. That's kind of crazy. Well, not really a deposit, anyway. Yeah. Um, Harry, one thing that strikes me is around the relationship we have with ourselves. And I think that we all whether this is you know platonic relationships of people or romantic or sexual, there is something about getting to know you as a person, not that you need to get to know you as a person but 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 I think we <laughs> but I think that we all I, I, I kind of feel like my personal view on this is that sometimes the relationship with ourselves is like the last on the
3: list, and I wondered what your thoughts were on that um. I do agree to an extent, speaking from personal experience, no, I love myself too much. I'm um, like, far too obsessed with myself to put myself last. But I do agree, Like, in the, let's be honest, there's friends in the audience, they can agree with me. Um, uh, I think that in the vast majority, yes, I think people are too focused on how they're perceived, how many followers they've got, what they look like and what they dress like, that they don't really actually focus on what truly makes them happy. Um, so I think that, um, it's something that people, it's a daily thing. It's a daily fight. I think, I think if you don't truly actually love yourself, then something I did from somebody that struggled with, we won't get into it but bits and pieces um, was I used to like look in the mirror and pick one thing that I used to love about myself and I'd be like oh I feel this way about myself but I've got great lips that people would pay for so I would just like that would then turn into a daily manifestation of like things I loved about myself and now you can't tell me anything so (laughs) legit It's, it's it's literally one of those things so well, on
2: episode one we had dark water dark war and they were saying that every day you should look at yourself in the mirror and moisturize your skin and take your body in and just 100%. look at yourself and just admire all the Dance facets naked. of you because you are just yeah because you are the only person that is you yeah exactly what strikes me though is i think there are a lot of people that don't do what you do mm. so and it's great that you recognize your wonderful lips and 100%. you know all of that stuff <laughs> but, <laughs> but so you should see the other pair but we're, <laughs> um,
3: we should uh, but there no. will be
2: people that don't and there'll be people that have learned to actually just avoid anything yeah. like that so so how do, how do we how do we promote a healthy relationship with ourselves? I'm coming to you so as a, a psychotherapist here. I think you're going to have a great answer. So, what, what would you recommend to someone in terms of wanting to get to know their own being? And you know, because I think when you contribute towards any type of relationship, whether it's romantic, friendship, whatever, if you aren't fully on board with who you are, how does that manifest? You know, it can be quite tricky, can't
5: it? Yes, I agree. You know, we were talking earlier about community and being in the right city where there are uh people queer people where we can find a tribe but in order to find the tribe we have to learn to connect and to learn to connect we have to be good with ourselves with our relationship with ourselves and basically my my tip is exactly what you were saying is learning to be kind to yourself learning to talk to yourself in as your own best friend and to and to look at yourself and to you know to look at the the good stuff the positive stuff that's about you as well when you grow up well in, this, in the world that we live in right now, growing up queer in this heteronormative world and mononormative world and cisgenderist world, it's just pretty impossible to just become an adult and think that you're great just like that with no work for yourself because you internalise so many messages from society that you're wrong, that you're bad, that you're not good enough, that you shouldn't exist, or all this stuff. So you have to really take a stance and to say No this is wrong, society is, I'm not, I'm not wrong, I'm not broken, it's society that is wrong, and so I'm going to talk to myself like I love myself.
2: Yeah, absolutely, round of applause, that's great, I love that. Any other thoughts on, on that, and any other tips that you would have in terms of, you know, supporting yourself?
6: Yeah, I mean, it's, it's tricky, because, you know, I've gone through that that feeling of not being okay with who I was, but then now I couldn't care less what people think about me <laughs> because I'm, I'm, like you, I'm quite obsessed with myself. I'm quite self absorbed. So I think that, you know, whenever I. You know, put myself out there or put photos out there, I do stuff on social media, and someone will be like, "Well, your nose is a bit too big." I'm just like, "Okay, <laughs> great, <laughs> whatever." It's just like it doesn't it doesn't matter to me because I've come to a place of of self confidence. And but you know, it takes a while to to get there. I think obviously we've probably all gone through episodes and, and times in our lives where we haven't felt that. But you know, it's just coming to to terms with it and not caring what anybody else thinks because at the end of the day these people are not important to you they don't mean anything to you in your life you need to focus on the people that uplift you and give you that affirmation and and you know appreciate you for for who you are and that's what i've done if someone doesn't appreciate me they can fuck off
2: (laughs) (laughs) what about you brian
4: i was just gonna say no just chiming with that it's that old thing of like comparison is the thief of joy like the You know, most of the time, if you muddle on and muddle along and do what matters to you and do who matters to you and all that kind of thing, then you thank you. uh, Then, uh, then, um, then, then you usually find a nice kind of equilibrium. And it's when you start saying, "Oh, it's I'm doing it wrong because they are doing it so right." Is that when you start to be harder on yourself and all that kind of thing? So, yeah.
2: Do you think it's all been? I mean. Was it an easy journey for you all in terms of getting to this point, do you think? I mean, how long did it take you from discovery of who you were to, you know, now in terms of feeling more liberated and feeling like you had better relationships with your own selves?
4: It's ongoing, isn't it? It, it kind of like, it's not, well, I, I can't speak for anyone else, but I wouldn't ever say that someone's like, great, finish line, I'm done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I've, I've, I've transcended um, and, and I certainly wouldn't be, at that point um but um yeah i think it's just it's ongoing isn't it ongoing piece yeah
2: absolutely so um we we talked about the show before when we were talking about you coming on as a guest and you kindly wrote something for the press release um uh can you remember what you wrote probably not you've been writing a lot haven't you (laughs)
6: cannot for the life of me remember what i (laughs)
2: wrote. but what so you you wrote this and it was it really moved me and i I want to talk to you about it so you talked about when it comes to uh, trans people and relationships so um often painted as like pictures of disgust or seen as undesirable commodities and sexualized and i wondered if you'd be happy to share whether you felt that was your experience when when you came out or is it just something that you've kind of observed within the community from your work that you do with with my generation
6: I mean it has been sort of a especially when I sort of first came out I noticed the whole sort of fetishization of, of trans women in particular, uh, by particular groups of people, and I used to get all these like weird messages from like men who were like, I went to Thailand and I had a great time, would you like to meet up? And I was like what are you talking about? <laughs> and then they went to Thailand and met a bunch of trans women, and now they came back and they want to meet an Icelandic trans woman I'm like, go fuck off. <laughs> and it's just like all of these sort of like weird things that people would do and say, and they obviously didn't see me as a, as a person, they saw me as some sort of a, an experience or something exotic to try out and be like oh I've never tried that before and you know it's like well obviously you haven't because we haven't slept together so <laughs> but it was just it's just really really bizarre sort of stuff like that and I think on the flip side you then have the people that will say that trans people are disgusting and undesirable and even the people that do secretly long you know to be with a trans person will also show that extreme hatred and disgust towards them I mean there is a thing called the trans panic defense, which is a piece of law in in some countries where if someone, you know, violently attacks a trans person who was a partner and they say, oh, I panicked because they're trans, they wouldn't get a sentence and it wouldn't be as, you know, it's just, it's so ingrained in our society that it's okay to treat trans people like trash. And I think that's, you know, where it comes from. And I think that's, really really tricky thing to be almost a commodity and then also an object of discussion. and we see this in the media and TV shows and films all the time I think what was it The Hangover or something a movie where this guy sleeps with a trans woman and it's like a running joke throughout the whole film that he slept with a trans woman and it's just like it's just really really frustrating and then you also have people who are like claiming that trans people are trying to force everyone to sleep with them and you're just like babes we don't want you <laughs> 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 And they're like, well, I would never sleep with a trans person. And it's like, great, we don't want to sleep with you either. <laughs> so it's it's just a really complicated relationship. And I think, you know, I'm I'm with a trans person now. And I think that's, you know, one of the best relationships I've had. Because we don't have any of that bullshit. And we don't have any of that you know, I've dated all sorts of people and I think especially cisgender men will often have like almost an identity crisis that they're dating a trans person. They're like, oh, does that mean I'm bisexual or I'm not straight? And you're like, okay, goodbye. (laughs) I don't have time to go through your identity crisis with you. I want you to have your own confidence to do this. If you don't, goodbye. (laughs) So, you know, it's about finding people who are just at ease with who they are and not having to educate a person you're trying to be with.
2: Well, I, I watched, and I'd really recommend everyone watching this, so um, you and Fox did a TED Talk, um, and it's on YouTube, and it's incredible, and it's it's really, really beautiful, and you talk about your relationship, and finding each other, and finding love, um, you know, as a trans couple, and... What I took from that was that it's so many possibilities for people to be able to see something positive reflected back rather than the narrative that you're talking about now. So how important is that to you to be able to make work like that and and have those conversations?
6: Yeah, I think it's because, as I was saying, we're taught so strongly by society that, you know, we're disgusting and our bodies are different and undesirable. And just having people who are, you know positive about you being trans when fox and i got together we had no clue what type of bodies we had underneath our clothes and we just got together and it was great and we didn't have any expectations but that was because we were in a space we were in a big conference where there was loads of trans people and we knew it was a safe space and we just didn't care Mm -hmm. and that was a very freeing experience not to have to care about any of these things because as a trans person in the dating world you know you're constantly worried about a number of things but when fox and i got together we were at a conference everybody's trans no one cares and we didn't have to worry about any of these things so i think seeing someone so confident in in their own body and who they are and just seeing that as a positive experience is is incredibly important
2: yeah absolutely that's amazing fantastic um Brian, I was really thank you for sharing that. I really appreciate it. Um, Brian, I was really lucky to um, read your book um, before it was released this year, and it's on sale today. Everyone, so um, if you like, um, there's, well, there's only about four copies, so you have to fight over them. But it's called Sounds Like Fun, and it's an incredible, incredible work. And um, what's that? Sorry. Here's one <laughs> And it talks about the relationship of Owen and Rich, and um, after some time together, and something we mentioned earlier, they explore an open relationship. I think Rich approaches Owen and says, have you thought about this? Is yeah. it the other way around? Yeah, yeah. And I think this is um, something that's quite common within the community, and it's something that um, Harry was mentioning earlier. So what prompted you to write this book and tell this story?
4: I think uh, it kind of all of the conversations we've been having so far have been on my mind, and and I was interested in I was interested in a couple at a moment of um, kind of crisis and change in their relationship because I I some of my favorite novels are about about a relationship and about you know a moment a, a moment in time in a relationship but really it's a filter through which you can exp- the author explores a main character so like Nora Ephron's Heartburn is a big influence on me and is about uh, a woman who discovers that her husband has been having an affair and she is pregnant and and it's this distillation of six weeks but it's the distillation of the woman's whole life and I kind of wanted to find something that was less sort of done than uh, the affair in the kind of you know it's sort of traditional couple like that and I was also interested in the dynamic of Owen, our main character, being a reluctant at first participant in this open relationship, and then spending the book picking apart why—why did you, why were you reluctant to begin with, and also why did you agree with it? Why not, sort of say, no, I'm gonna put my foot down on this? And I just thought, as well, that you—you know—that that sort of that initial stage of a relationship developing gives you the opportunity for sort of having all the fun bits of a romantic comedy like uh, like, uh, you know, like a a, a series of, you know uh, misadventures and random dates and random hookups and disastrous ones and good ones and but then you also get the kind of the drama of a long term relationship and what what, you know, that kind of more subtle drama and stuff like that and then yeah, I just thought there was space for jokes in it as well so I put them in.
2: It was was one of those books where it was like Typical Sunday afternoon, sit down, cosy, blanket, reading it, and getting lost in it. I absolutely loved it. It was it oh, was so, it, honestly, it was so, so good. One thing that really struck me was the power dynamic between the two people. So Rich was portrayed as this really kind of confident person who, you know, knew what he wanted, and, you know, so there's a fly that keeps coming to my face, um, that knew what he wanted, and, um, you know, really set on making this happen, whereas Owen was a bit more kind of reluctant. And it really struck me as this whole power imbalance and i guess this is probably quite common in a lot of relationships i'm looking at silver again here as well um do, i mean do you do you think this is common and was there a purpose for you type writing that is it something that for your own experiences or something you'd seen that you thought okay this needs to be part of that discussion because i guess it's the dynamic was they were going to try this relationship but actually as you said they weren't completely on the same page
4: Yeah, and I I suppose part of that also came from, uh, again, linking to what we were speaking about earlier to do with community. One of the things that gives Rich, one half of this couple, the sort of, I suppose status and the kind of confidence is that he is very much enmeshed in a community. He, the book is set in London, and he is a Londoner, and he has you know uni friends, he has childhood friends, he has co- work colleagues, he has all of that. And Owen is a Dubliner who has moved to London and moved for this relationship, and he doesn't have that community, and he he doesn't, and he hasn't gone seeking one either because he just decided to put you know all his chips on this relationship. Um, and that was, again, something I was interesting in teasing out and what, you know, yeah, different types of dislocation do to us, you know, the, the, and how, how that can change and how, um, you know, not to get too deep into the book, but one of the, the nature of opening the relationship is that now Owen has this totally new, I suppose, prism through which he can look at connecting with people, um, and, uh, yeah, that was, that was kind of what I was trying to pick apart with that power, power dynamic or status dynamic, however you want to phrase
2: it. Yeah, absolutely. Silver. do you think that's quite common in, in relationships generally, the whole power dynamic and one person feeling less than or one person kind of taking the lead on, on the relationship?
5: Yes, absolutely. There is feeling less than and there is being less than and I think there's a difference here. Uh, I think a lot of the time we think that we have to be equal to our partners all the time in order to be in a good relationship but equality sometimes is not possible if one, one person has a, a bigger strength in one thing and and not in another thing and so they will take the lead on one thing and not other things. I think it's okay too. I think what's the key here is to be fair with, with, with everyone and so if somebody, for example, is, um, you know, the, the main breadwinner because they love their job or because it's, uh, it's a, their career is exciting and there isn't one, the, the other one isn't, it doesn't mean there's necessarily a problem, but it needs to be talking about it. And the person that doesn't earn the money might feel less than, but actually, if they talk about it and they contribute in other ways, they can, the relationship can still be fair yeah. and, and equal. And I think with um, with the story that you have, it, it's a major co- compromise and and a big risk to move countries for somebody else. And so when you do that originally, a lot of people would think of everything's going to be fun and everything's going to be great. And actually, they realize, oh wow, it's actually not as fun as I thought it was going to be because there's so many things I have to learn when I'm in a different country, a different city. And one of the things with relationships as well is to be able to learn to understand what it's like for the other person to put yourself in the other person sh- in the other shoes the the person who's always been a londoner of course is not going to have the same experience at all from the person who comes from dublin and and so those are also conversations that needs to that needs to be had and and to and to enjoy the similarities that we have with our partners but also um accepting the differences yeah
4: individuality i guess yes. I'm just loving my fictional couple being given like a counseling session. I need to, <laughs> I need to write the, the alternate version where they get this chat. <laughs> yeah,
2: this is like part two, the therapy session. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Um, we've talked about different types of relationships and positive and compromising relationships and all that kind of stuff. But I would like to know whether any of you have had any romantic, platonic, Sexual relationships where it's just been dysfunctional, and you've had to make brave decisions to have difficult conversations. Because that's the thing that I think that as humans, sometimes we can struggle with. Sometimes we have friendships that go on for years and years and years, and they don't serve us because the person is an asshole, or you know, you've just you've just not enjoyed it. And but actually, you keep it going because that's what you know. I've got a list. Um, I wonder if any of you have had the same experiences and how you tackle those. Because I think that's something maybe we don't talk about often. And we have this guilt of knowing someone for such a long period of time and then going, well, I can't relinquish our friendship. We've been friends for 20 years. But actually, sometimes it's like the most freeing thing. Harry's done this before. I can see by the smile
3: on his face. <laughs> I have no issue cutting people off at all. I have no issue whatsoever. Call it I'm a Capricorn. like Call it a star sign thing. Like I just think... If you were eating some dinner and you didn't like it, would you carry on eating it? No.
2: Depends how much it was.
3: No, girl. Some some people would. would You would not. If that friendship is not benefiting you, that relationship, what's the goddamn point? like I just for me I just don't see any point in doing it like why would you continue paying to a gym subscription if you're not gonna go like I can use all these analogies I've done that as well (laughs) well and this is me no cut it off you're like no I've done that too (laughs) um yeah to me I'm just I have no issue just cutting things off if it if I get that hint or you know you can give it a try for a little bit and you can say okay maybe it was just this one time like fool me once shame on me fool me twice whatever that saying is um that, like, I, I have no issue cutting people off, like, at all, and I don't feel any guilt. In fact, it gives me a bit of a thrill. I'm like, cool, done with you, moving on. Like, Do I just you don't...
2: ghost, or do you kind of have the conversation? Oh, no,
3: go it's, like, full block. You are out <laughs> of my life, like, it's done, you don't need to see what I'm doing, like, you're dead to me. Like, it's very that, like, yeah. it's, it's done, like, I have no issue with it at all, like, whatever. In the same way that, like, if somebody was, like, on the street disrespecting you, you would just either call them out, or you would just they go past and they're nothing to do with you. So yeah. Why, why do you put up with it just because you've been friends for 20 years? 20 years yeah. yeah. It's, I have this, this thing as well with like family. I know we spoke about family earlier, but like you, just because you're born into a family, you don't have to like them. Like sometimes your <laughs> family, well, it's true, but sometimes your family, they're, they're a bit of a knob, aren't they? Like, you know what I mean? Like just, we're all, you don't have to have these loyalties because of circumstances. Like just, fucking come well, them well it's out.
2: conditioning isn't it and I think when you yeah. start to find your own voice it becomes easier to just I think what I found in my life is when I started to say no I couldn't stop it's yes. like yeah. you know and it, it's like the more you kind of you please people and then eventually you kind of go no absolutely not I'm just not doing it and then eventually like you you know everyone that you knew is kind of gone but it's okay <laughs> we're still strong <laughs> what about you Brian it's just the till machine don't worry <laughs>
4: um I uh I I am a big believer in the kind of the I guess the a fundamental transformation of a relationship there's you know like if a a friendship has been this incredibly intense for example like uh you know reliance sort of relationship I think that there can often be a beauty to that friendship turning into a thing where like oh, I only see them in group dynamics now, you know, or like, or I see them twice a year as opposed to the times when we like, you know, would spend weeks on end together. Um, I, I, do you
2: I, dread that though? Because like you know, I've done that and then you get to the point where you're like, Oh, next month we've got that appointment, and then you get the week before. You are like, oh, I've got the next week. And
4: I think if you, I think if that's the case, then it just fizzles itself out anyway. Like, I I think that it just dies by degrees. Whereas, uh, you know, like seeing in myself and seeing in friends, there, like, I think if it if it can happen, if it can be a thing where what wasn't wrong was the fundamental dynamic, but you know, the regularity of seeing each other or a, a particular thing influenced by circumstances of, you know work, location, what have you, then then that change can actually be quite I think can be quite beautiful. And I love seeing it in, you know, friends or in the odd time when there's, you know, obviously the cliche at the end of like, you know, a romantic relationship is off and I think we should be friends. But if you see people who do manage that, it's actually it can sometimes be kind of wonderful to see and it can be wonderful to experience so i mean i i i'm gonna say anecdotally it's like it's it it, you know it can happen
2: we're gonna get silver to do a psychoanalysis on you in the interval (laughs) no i think i think you're right though because actually it doesn't always have to be dramatic if you if you're adult and you can have (laughs) it does of harry but if, if if you if you have conversations where you can be respectful it can be it can be honoring of what you've had with the friendship or whatever i mean i had a situation where um i actually not listening so it's fine i had a situation where um i had a friend for a long long time and we were talking loads about her timber rot in her barn conversion it was very straight and boring and i was just it went on for hours and then i told her that day that my auntie died of covid and she sent me an emoji with a tear and I was like, "Yeah, done." It's like you know, if that's if you're sending an emoji when someone's died of COVID, we're we're not doing it anymore. That's that's it. So that was a cut situation, and that felt very very freeing. And actually, she pissed me off for a long time. So it was one of those situations. <laughs> it was one of those situations where it was a bit like, "Oh, we're seeing them again." Blah 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 blah. But like you know, that was just that was just a bit. That's clean. That was brutal, quite quite honestly. But um, so yeah, that was a, that was one of those situations that I'd agree with. With Harry, but there's other situations where if you can honor the friendship, I think that's a nice thing. Yeah, I agree with you. Yeah,
5: I think that if you want to transform a relationship that have issues, you have to sometimes have the really tough, hard, uncomfortable conversations to get there. And I mean, of course, if somebody does something really unacceptable, it's a cutout straight away. But I think a lot of people don't change and endure relationships that they don't like because they are afraid to, or they don't know how to have those really tough, hard conversations and also i think that people uh don't like change as well so even though they want change they are afraid of change because they don't know what's going to happen next and um and i also think that sometimes if you want to if you think actually maybe transformation is not possible and i want to let go of people um there's something deeper that goes on in in some people that um uh it's the, is the is the is the, uh, the, the some sometimes people have to really experience a, a very deep sense of grief because they have to stop hoping that something will be different. And the stopping hoping for something to be different is uh, really sad and it goes quite deep. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's hard. Change is difficult and it's, it's,
2: you know, it's grief, isn't it? It's an ending. Sometimes relationships can be really, really difficult. Um, Harry, you are a fabulous queen on the drag circuit. Sur- circuit, circuit. Um, and I'm really interested to know how mario kart your alter ego has enhanced your relationship with yourself so do you think that by being a drag queen you have actually got to understand different facets of your own personality more and therefore have a more intimate relationship with who you are
3: yes i would say like if anybody's ever done drag or dabbled in drag or anything like that like the second that you put it on and you're fully invested you just feel this power and you're suddenly alive you're suddenly like I mean, it's on brand because Mario Kart, for those of you who don't know, popular video game based on a yeah, Nintendo Mario Kart. Um, so I, I kind of keep it like it's Mario on his Super Mushroom. He's the same person. He's just heightened. Um, <clears throat> so that's how I feel. And I've, it's, it's taken like a while for me to kind of realize like I can have that. 24-7 like that's just just because I've got three inches of foundation everything's put away and you know however many <laughs> pairs of tights and all of that like that power is still accessible and just lashes don't make of a man it's I can have that exactly it, without all of that on um, so I would say that by doing drag I've kind of discovered the more of a diva than I ever thought I was out of drag <laughs> <laughs> Which can you believe? Um, but yeah, I would say that that's something that I have discovered through doing that. Like it's just a power that's always accessible, just because it's got a wig on. It doesn't change who I am. It's just there.
0: Um,
2: Does it like lift you up if you're having a down day? Do you, do you? Is there something you can tap into to kind of like pull you up through difficult situations? Or
3: yeah, yeah, I go and admire my gorgeous garments, and I'm like, oh, <laughs> stunning. Um, no, I your dressing room is fabulous. Yeah, thank it's you. Cool. <laughs> um, yeah, no, you do. You just kind of. You put on a, maybe you put on a song that you listen to mm-hmm. or that you do in your set and you sing it in the shower, whether you're doing whatever, and you're just like, oh, that's there it is. There it is. Yeah, there. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's something that you can just readily tap into when you need to and um, that can help bring you, you, up you up 100%. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah. That's awesome.
2: Yeah. One thing I'm interested to know from all of you is what you think a healthy relationship looks like. If you were to describe that to someone else, and it can be any type of relationship – but what do you think a healthy relationship looks like?
3: Um, For me, I would say a healthy relationship is just seeing two people. Are we talking romantic? could be romantic, platonic, sexual, whatever. Um, I'll speak on romantic or like as partners, I think uh, to see people that are truly happy are people that truly support and love each other's success independent of each other they don't have to be united all the time you can see the ups you can see the downs you can see all of that um to me that is a truly happy relationship where you can see the black and white and the gray and the rainbow and every other color in that you can see it it's not just a we're gonna sit here and have our wine together darling and we're amazing (laughs) it's not that it's not cute like (laughs) Have all a go and at all. each it's other. Basically yeah, a- every Then every I'm like, situation. oh, now I believe it. Now I believe that's what you you are actually. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, you're not putting on a front. Yeah. Basically, that's for
2: me. Yeah, that makes sense, Brian.
3: Um, I think
4: uh, the the word that came to my mind was like heard, being heard. Like when two people can really hear each other, and like because you can nod and listen to a lot of people, and but like if you can really hear someone when they're you know maybe not even articulating what they really need to say and and you know you can rely on someone to hear that in you i think that that's quite yeah that that certainly is something that makes for um yeah a a really empowering i suppose yeah
2: i'm just very aware that i was really emphasizing my nod when you said that i was like (laughs) (laughs) really nodding as you're saying about nodding (laughs) Mm. (laughs) but no i I, agree you hearing each other is really really important listening to you know other people's points of view and you know understanding each other and letting people have even if you agree with something letting people have a voice and be opening or open to a conversation i think that's that's really really important silver
5: uh, well i totally agree with you both and i don't think i've got any more to add really but i would you just like something to, so, so i would like to so, well i'll, summar, I'll summarize it with respect i respect. think i think i think this is really what you're both saying in in uh, lots of words but really it's, it comes down with respect but everything that you said is completely Totally agree with. Mm, But we have to be able to just be there and, you know, liking each other and respecting the difference and independent, you know, independent success and hearing each other and so on. Yeah.
6: I think for me, like a healthy relationship is quite easygoing, something that doesn't feel like an effort, something that you don't have to constantly you know try to make work if you're constantly through going through that struggle then it's just not really healthy for you because you're trying something so hard that obviously isn't working so for me like a healthy one is something that's easygoing we know each other we're honest with each other so it's something we can speak to each other we communicate about it But, you know, there's never that element of having to to work really hard for it. Because if I have to work really hard for a relationship, I'm a Capricorn as well. So if someone just does, you know, if someone's really difficult, I'm just very good at just removing myself switching <laughs> so, off So yeah and it's it's not like i haven't had huge like breakups with people or huge instances it's more just that i've just kind of removed myself do you think you situation? get lost, less
2: tolerant with certain relationships especially like friendships as you get older because i definitely feel that yeah. I, i'm it, very picky yeah you become a bit more like no this doesn't feel right or yeah. you know
6: yeah i'm, I'm very particular if, if there's something i don't like i'm like mm. good luck to you yeah
2: (laughs) do you all agree yes
4: yeah
6: yeah Yeah.
2: (laughs) nodding okay
5: (laughs) i think we should really choose our people very carefully right yeah
2: but people yeah because the people in your life will influence how you feel about yourself so it's 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 very very important yeah okay so we are going to have a reading now from brian for his fabulous book sounds like fun and um yeah, and then we're going to take an interval and then come back for an audience Q&A. So if you're ready, I'd love to hand it over to you.
4: Sure. Um, this is uh, from towards the start of the book when Rich has just introduced the idea to Owen of them having an open relationship and kind of tying into what we were talking about near the start about like the important The importance of platonic relationships this is a book that's mainly about romantic relationships and variations thereupon but the other big love story in it for me is the the kind of the friendship that Owen has with his friend Jack so that's uh, he's gone to Jack's to sort of get her advice on all of this Um, and the only other thing that you need to know about this extract is that she is a crafter so she is doing some embroidery (laughs) Owen she says I only have an hour till I have to go what's wrong with you I looked at Jack's sewing basket, at the threads and needles and the cuddly rhino that was acting as a pincushion, and my eyes missed it over. You said it was something to do with Rich, Jack said. She continued stitching, seemingly absorbed by her work, though I knew she'd put it down if I let the tears flow. I took a breath and tried to find a way of putting it that didn't sound blunt and slightly absurd. There wasn't one. He wants an open relationship? Dax looked up, one hand on the wooden frame and the other raised, string taut. Rich wants an open relationship. Yeah? Right, she blinked, seeming genuinely confused. I didn't think he had it in him. What do you mean? I asked. Well, Rich is just quite careery, quite, um, boring. Sorry, she put down the hoop. I'm really fucking this up. "'I wondered for the first time in years what Jax actually thought of Rich. "'They probably saw each other just a handful of times a year for events like my birthday, "'but I'd always assumed she shared my opinion of how wonderful he was. "'How are you feeling?' she asked. "'I fiddled with the drawers in an upcycled apothecary cabinet while I tried to think of an answer, "'but found I couldn't or didn't want to describe to Jax the thoughts I was having. "'They seemed too personal to share, even with her.' Rich wanted to kiss other guys, touch other guys, fuck other guys. He wanted to have sex, but not with me. After five years together, he wanted more than our relationship gave him. I feel like a bit of a failure, I said eventually. It feels a lot like this is a sign that I'm a failure as a boyfriend and a partner. Jax was shaking her head, but I went on. Like, if I wasn't enough, if I was enough, he wouldn't want my permission to go off with someone else. If your relationship was a failure, Jack said, he'd have gone off with someone else already. I mean, she added quickly, spotting that I looked ready to throw up. I'm sure he hasn't, Owen. I mean, he didn't say he had, did he? I didn't ask. I was feeling a bit dizzy.
2: it's a seriously good book i really really enjoyed it so um there's a few copies here for sale today and if you uh don't buy one please order it online because it's absolutely incredible um so thank you all very much for the first half this incredible conversation we're gonna have an interval now i'm gonna sell some books get a glass of wine and then we'll come back for an audience q a so big round of applause my guests the conversation doesn't stop here check out the next part of this podcast episode on your streaming platform you will not be disappointed. I really hope you enjoyed the show. A big thank you once again to all my guests. Please share the podcast, give it a five-star review if you'd like, and leave any comments you may have. You can also follow me on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok for all the latest updates on Queer I Am, the podcast. Also, check out my website, www.flueyactually.com. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.